just making room. He gets to the 50. He gets to midfield. He gets to the 40. What an athletic display by Trey Ford. He's magic. He is the magic man of the Canadian Football League right now. He's got a line to the net. He'll come in. The shot scores! Edmonton's home for great stories, local heroes, and everything you need on the Oilers and Elks. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Brought to you by James H. Brown and Associates, Alberta Injury Lawyers, the heavy hitters of injury law. All right, after losing to the Oilers, the Kings in Calgary tonight. That one just getting underway. Also, the Predators lead the Senators 2-1 in the second period. After the first, Minnesota up one, uh, 2 1 on Carolina. The Maple Leafs trying to extend their winning streak. Well, not looking good at the moment. The Golden Knights lead the Leafs 3 1. That's five minutes into the third period. After two, Lightning and Flyers 1 1. Panthers lead the Sabres 2 1. In the third, Red Wings cruising against the Capitals up 6 2. And early third period, Canadians lead the Coyotes 2 1. Can also tell you in Winnipeg, early second period, the Jets with a 3-1 lead on the St. Louis Blues. Kyle Connor up to 24 goals on the season. Monaghan has his 19th. Now, Winnipeg in the spotlight today, and uh, you may have heard, uh, read about this. John Shannon and I talked about it last week on one of our face-off shows. Um, ticket sales are not great in Winnipeg, especially compared the, to where they were. Uh, just reading the story here on NHL.com, season ticket numbers dropping by more than 25% over the past three years to about 9,500. Average attendance, 13,300 this season, and the arena holds just over 15,200. This is coming after about a, a decade of pretty solid sellouts in Winnipeg. So Gary Bettman was there today and uh, he had this to say about the future of the Jets. This is a place, Winnipeg, where hockey matters. Uh, I believe that this is a strong NHL market. Uh, I believe that ownership has made extraordinary commitments uh, to the Jets, to this arena, to the downtown area involving hundreds of millions of dollars and I'm not sure why people are now speculating that somehow they're not going to be here. Uh, at the end of the day, we could go through a litany of reasons that either are true or speculated to be true as to how the attendance situation got to where it is. Kind of doesn't really matter because teams go through different ups and downs. Uh, I believe that the season ticket base and the attendance will evolve back uh, to where it was. I was quoted in 2011 saying, uh, for this to work well, the building's got to be full, and that's true. And I know that uh, Mark Chipman and David Thompson aren't interested in just surviving in the NHL. They want to thrive uh, along the lines of how the team's playing this year. And this will get sorted out. All right, that is Gary Bettman. And, yeah, I, I mean, I, probably not 
critical there, but a, a little concerning. And I know I talked to John Shannon last week. A lot of corporate support, a lot of people committed to 10 years when they uh, got on board when the Jets uh, came back. And uh, now those 10 years are up. Obviously, we've been through COVID, which affected pretty much everything. So that is the story in Winnipeg. I, I would certainly hope this is not uh, the beginning of the end of the Jets in Winnipeg. I don't think it is, but it is a story when Gary Bettman rolls into town and comments on the future of your team. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Reed Wilkins with you inside sports on 630. Ched, the Oilers back in the win column. We're going to dive right in. He joins us two or three times a month here on Inside Sports, provided by Avalon Foundation Repair, Western Canada's leading basement waterproofing company for over 50 years, home of the lifetime warranty, a former Edmonton Oiler, now doing a great job on the NHL on Rogers. It is Luke Gazdick. Luke, how are you doing? Oh, good, Reed. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing very well. Great to catch up with you. We got a couple fun things to talk about. Let's start with last night's game. Seemed to me finally a, a steadier and more under control performance by the Oilers. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I think um, obviously probably not the start they wanted. Once again, the first period uh, was a little slow, a little sloppy. I've heard the word uh, casual being thrown around as well, which I could kind of agree with last night, but this is kind of their MO now, right? This is the team that they're shaping up to be as they get better and better as the game progresses. And you can even look at that as a macro uh, view as well in this season, how they've just continually gotten better and better. And I know there was a bit of a slide here the last couple games, but I thought last night was great. I thought Stu played, played excellent. Um, I, I thought their big boys played really well. And if you want to have some success and if this team wants to have some success the big guys are going to have to be their drivers and and i thought they drove last night so you mentioned the starts i thought the first period was was decent last night but the previous three games they either fell behind or against minnesota you know they were quite sleepy and i thought especially coming out like that against the flames was really surprising and and disappointing on one hand, you might say, well, that happens sometimes. It's a long season. But on the other hand, I'm saying you've lost your previous two games in underwhelming fashion. Where was that early jump and early passion against Calgary on Saturday? Yeah, so I have a lot of thoughts on this. And it's something we've watched with them the whole year, right? So I had talked about this way at the beginning of the season that I did not like their starts. It was kind of the thing that they were known for. But what was different back then was that they weren't finishing games well either. So they weren't starting and they weren't finishing. Now you're seeing this progression where they're still not starting incredibly well, but they are turning it on. And it's probably the question I get asked most as a former player now doing some analyst stuff is what is with starting a game? Is it individual? Is it a team? Is it physical? Is it mental? And it's, simultaneously probably the question I have the toughest time answering because really even when I was a player there were some games where it was unexplainable and I look at Saturday as the perfect example you would think Saturday night battle of Alberta your in-province rivals you're battling for for playoff points and in, in in the dog days here Calgary is desperate you know they're gonna have their best early a start like that is unacceptable. And I understand it's a team game, but it is very 
individual as well. All I could control while I was playing was my start. I can't, looking across the uh, dressing room, I saw Matt Hendricks, Taylor Hall, Andrew Ferentz was just to his right. I can't control how they play. I can motivate them. I can say, let's go, boys. I can, I can do some warm-ups and some stretching with them if I wanted to, to you know, make sure they were going. If I was a, you know, a veteran guy, maybe you take a younger guy to do that. But at the end of the day, it's up to you. Like it's up to the player to be ready to go from the first shift. And that was in, that was a mindset that I had always was get your first shift out of the way. I was always so nervous before games, especially like that, a hockey night in Canada game, Saturday night at home. I would be very nervous for that. So I would be gripping the stick pretty tight, you know, heart rates through the roof. But I would tell myself, just get your first shift out of the way and then ride from there. And if it was a fight too, I did the same thing where I knew I was like, let's just get this fight over with early and then I can play hockey. And I don't know why more guys didn't have that mindset, but it's truly one of the hardest things I've had to answer because it's a bit of physical, it's a bit of mental, but as a fan now and probably their coaching staff, it's, it's a little concerning. Well, yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. And that's, that's a fair analysis. Uh, it, it sometimes turns into a team thing, but each individual has to, I mean, Rob Brown always says he knew guys when he played who were nervous all day, pacing around, drinking coffee, you know, needed to be alone and not talk to anybody. And he said he knew guys that would like tie, would, would like read the paper up until a minute before they went on the ice and then tie their skates and go out. Right. So I guess it's, oh. it's, it's whatever works. It used to drive me nuts too. Cause guys would be so nonchalant. Like Nuge says, I've talked about this before. Nuge sat right beside me and he was dialed in. I'll give him that. He had his routine. He liked to play a bit of soccer and do his thing, but he was very low key, very even keel where, that was me. I was the guy that was doing laps around the entire lounge and through the gym. And I already had three coffees in me. And I, it was something that I, I could never get over. I was just always very nervous. <laughs> but uh, you're right. It does come down to the individual and getting started. But it really does fall on the entire team at the same time. Yeah. Okay. Luke, uh, h- hang on. Uh, we're going to dive into the, uh, the, the this uh, Matt Rempe kid. Uh, for the Rangers and, and his big fights and what Luke thinks about that. Luke is always joining us courtesy Avalon Foundation Repair, Western Canada's leading basement waterproofing company for over 50 years, home of the lifetime warranty. I'm also going to ask Luke the most furious rapid-fire fight that he was ever in. It's Inside Sports on Chet. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Luke Gazdick joining us then at Inside Sports. Okay, you mentioned uh, for you sometimes getting into a game early might be a fight. I got to talk to you about the weekend. Uh, Matthew, Matt Rempe for the New York Rangers. I actually got in a couple fights, but the one is getting replayed over and over again. Fight of the year, fight of the decade, whatever you want to call it. I oh, want to know yeah. what fight, we, of the, fight of the decade. Eh? We used to see those every three weeks when I right. played fights like that. <laughs> you're, 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 no, already, you're already looking honestly, at the I'm next a, generation with disdain, Luke. I, I'm not disdain. <laughs> Listen, I, I also have a lot of thoughts on this too, but man, does that kid remind you of anyone coming into the, coming into the league swinging? <laughs> Uh, I saw a picture of him at practice today. My goodness, he has two shiners and he looks like he got in a car wreck. Um, But you know what? I understand that 
ah, man, I always try to toe the line here. I understand that we have a lot more, you know, research and stuff when it comes to head traumas and fighting and all this. So there is a huge crowd that is against what this young man is doing. But to be honest, man, I, I'm loving every second of this. I, it's not a sustainable pace that he's going to do, but it's not meant to be. When I got picked up by waiver on waivers by Edmonton, I got there and my first practice, Dallas Eakins pulled me aside, pulled at the whiteboard. Um, and I remember him saying, this is, you have 30 days. This is it. You know, you, you, you've been in the minors for four years. Uh, we're going to give you 30 days here and we're going to give you a really good look to see what you have and to see what we have in you. And I took that as an absolute challenge. I went back to the hotel that day and I just remember thinking, I, I'm not going back. I'm not taking a flight back to the American League. I'm not doing it. So I made a goal to fight everybody and anybody that wanted to fight in that 30 days. I just remember thinking, this is going to be a tough stretch, but just do it. And hopefully that lands you a job here. Hopefully they tell you to get an apartment because you're staying. And hopefully after a month, not as many guys are going to want to fight you because they'll see the damage you're doing across the league. And I'm not kidding you. It happened exactly like that. I ended up fighting. I don't know how many times, but I was getting messages from guys across the league guys in and out of the league. I remember Sheldon Surrey, an old buddy from Dallas, messaged me and said, guys, like, slow down. What are you doing? I was just, I was fighting no defense and everyone that I could just because, A, I wanted to make a name for myself, but I didn't want to go back to the American League. And you heard this kid, Rempe, you, you heard him talking on the bench to Emily Kaplan post-game in New York, and he's got a big smile on his face. He said, I'm just having a blast. I'm having a blast being here, having a blast with my teammates. I'm doing everything I can to stay in the lineup. And I have a lot of respect and a lot of empathy for that. Um, I would love to be on his team or be in player development or something just so I could show him a couple things. I watch his fights and I just think, Ooh, you know, if he, if he would have just held there for a second, instead of countering right away, like there's just a couple little things that I'm standing up at the TV yelling, but I, I love what he's doing. Uh, I understand that uh, fighting takes a lot out of you. I'm 34 now and I, I feel much older than that the the way I did it in my career but I think that's the thing people have to understand is this he's not going to be keeping this pace going the whole year he's doing this with a purpose and and it's a little bit of a throwback old school the one thing I will say I didn't like I know I'm talking a lot here I know the one thing I did not like is Delorier at the red line kind of setting that up for the game I never liked that no matter how much I fought 20 times a year whatever it was if a guy came up to me in warm-ups and was like, hey, so, you know, we go in first shift, I would literally look at them and be like, beat it. Like, beat it. I, you know, if it happens, it happens. If we get out there three minutes into the game and I'm feeling it and you ask me, sure, let's do it. But there's so many external factors that can go into it. So I, I just, I never liked that premeditating, call it staged if you want, um, setting it up. I always liked it to just kind of happen. And I would be the instigator or, or someone would come after me. But uh, heck of a tilt. I fought Nick Delorier in Edmonton uh, he, when he was with Buffalo, and he's been doing it for a long time. So, and then on Saturday, I know it wasn't quite like the, the Rangers-Flyers fight, but Yanmark and Coleman had a pretty good tilt. And, and they what just went. What a scrap. Yeah. 
So first, like, like good for Yanmark. It's only his second fight. We asked him a bit about it today, and he just said he just got in there and was like, "I'm I'm going." So I mean, you fought other fighters generally, but did you ever have one in which you just realized, okay, there's no defense here. Nobody's waiting for an opening. We're we're just gonna yep. throw hundred percent. Hundred I know, and you know what? I know the fight that comes to mind too. Sorry to cut you off, but I I do this thing sometimes when I'm working. When I have a thought, I have to stay on it, or else I'll just get sidetracked. Chris Neal, I fought him in Ottawa. Uh, we were down two nothing, I believe. Uh, Dallas sent me out there. He was lined up right beside me. I remember Mac T was there as well. The brass was there. And I said, Hey, you want to go? And he's like, ah, and I'm like, come on, let's go. And he's like, all right. And he was the type of guy that could and loved eating punches. And there was a big thing with me, which was my right hand. And I love to stay with my right. If a guy switched to his left, God bless you, man. If you can hang in there with my right hand and you can eat a couple, then good on you. But a lot of guys couldn't. So I wasn't that guy that when they switched, I switched to my left. I learned that early in my career that your my right is harder than most guys' lefts on their offhand. So let's go for this. But Neeler stayed on his left. So as soon as we started throwing, I just remember thinking, oh boy, it's it's one of those. And you kind of have to get into a rhythm. I ended up fighting him the next year too when I was with Jersey and we did the exact same thing, even less defense. Um, and I would teach this guy, guys this in practice, guys that wanted to learn fighting tips was that that there is defense in being offensive as well. As soon as you throw over with your right hand, I was protecting my face with my elbow in the follow through. Uh, that way, if I was first to the punch, then I was protecting myself as well. So there's some little, you know, tricks of the trade that work like that. But Chris Neal was that guy that was like, if we're going to get five for fighting here, we're going to make it worth every minute. How long were you? I mean, obviously you're in the box for five minutes of playing time, but were you still tired from the fight after you served the five minutes? Like how much did that take out of you for the rest of the game? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. There were a couple nights like that where, I, uh, you know, Brian McGratton comes to mind. Um, my first battle of Alberta, I fought him three minutes into the first and I didn't catch my breath till the second period. I'm not even kidding you. Like I... Even after the five, like uh, I was still pretty winded because I, I truly don't know if people appreciate how much stamina goes into a minute long hockey fight. And me and Gratz went for about a minute 15 there in the saddle dome. I, I used to love fighting with under five left in the period because then you get to go straight to the room and you get the extended break. That was, that was my favorite ones because I knew that even after the five, um, you, you, I was still huffing wind pretty good if it was a good scrap. Nice. Okay. Luke, great perspective on the Oilers win last night and on, uh, on fighting in the national, the hockey league, cause you know it as, as well as anybody. Hey, thanks for your time. Uh, we're, uh, you're in again next week. So we'll talk to you then, buddy. Looking forward to it. Sounds good. Regoil. Great stuff there from Luke Gazdick. Go toe-to-toe with Chris Neal. My goodness. Luke, presented by Avalon Foundation Repair, Western Canada's leading basement waterproofing company for over 50 years. Home of the lifetime warranty.